another Teach Nest podcast. I'm Pat Brennan and I'm delighted to be joined today by Amanda Jolliffe, who is DreamSpace lead at Microsoft Ireland. Amanda's here to mark the recent fourth anniversary of Microsoft's immersive learning space, but also she's here to talk about the plans for the future in DreamSpace. Amanda, you're very welcome to the TeachNet podcast. Delighted to be here, Pat. Thanks for having me. To get started, you might tell us a little bit about yourself, your teaching background and how you first, I suppose, became involved maybe with technology, but then, of course, obviously with DreamSpace and, and Microsoft. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, so I, I qualified initially from Dublin City University as a PE and science biology teacher. And my first year of teaching, I was up in um, RD Community School and then um, I moved back down to Dublin after that. And I was working in Colossal in Dublin 15. Um, I was working uh, there for five years and I um, yeah, I was afforded lots of opportunities there in particular because obviously I was there for a couple of years just to kind of find myself as a teacher, find what worked for me and kind of embrace various, you know, there was a great uh, culture in the school in terms of like teaching and learning and approaches you could take. And um, I really enjoyed all that, like what works for the students, like what's, you know, helps them learn you know, what supports them in their learning, all of that stuff. And as a result of that, I kind of started playing around with different pieces of educational technology as well to see if it engaged or not. And some of them were worked really well, some of them didn't. Um, and that's that's part of the process. But at that time in the school, kind of a year or two into my, my time there, it was we were starting to explore, well, you know, if we brought in more devices for teachers and students, what could they be? What would they look like? And we were doing a bit of research on that. And at the time we decided for our school, because every school is different, obviously, for our school at the time, Microsoft technology was just kind of going to tick the boxes of what we felt was important um, for our teaching and learning approach in the school. And the, the senior leadership team felt that was the right one to go with. And so I was involved early doors with kind of the rollout of that with the school and ultimately ended up with the assistant principal post for ICT and digital learning in the school in my final year there before I took my career break. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then I suppose then I got the opportunity to to kind of step out of the classroom, which it was with mixed emotions at the time because I was still very much happy in the classroom and, and I love teaching. At the time, I just thought, look, this is a great opportunity to see how other schools work because initially I went working with Riggle, who people might be familiar with, um, an educational technology provider as well, and which was great because I got to see so many different schools and visit schools and visit staff rooms. And then it was during that year that I actually interviewed for Microsoft DreamSpace to go in there and at the time it was just a space there was no necessarily big plan it was just to they needed they knew they needed a teacher they knew they had a big ambition with students they wanted a teacher to come in there so um yeah so I interviewed and I got the role in dream space and that was I started there in March 2018. The rest is history Amanda as they yeah. say and I know it's, it's just and I do think this is a, a key point that you know I think we'll, we'll return to but I think the key word there is they went looking for a teacher because they needed a teacher to lead it because often digital is laid instead by the tech rather than I suppose the pedagogy or you know yeah. I think you you had the the horse before the cart from the get-go just to go back there to 2018 and when we look in the rear view mirror now after everything that has happened it was a very very different landscape then but mm. what were the primary goals of the project at, at that point you know and, and what was the content and, and the focus of what you were doing in DreamSpace? Yeah, so the, the kind of goal was to reach 100,000 students when I started, which I thought was crazy. Oh. I was wondering who did the maths on this. Um, I'm only one teacher. But anyway, um, and the other part of the goal was to provide the, the students and the teachers with a really immersive hands-on experience when it came to STEM and digital skills. 
And just before I keep moving on this, I think it's important just to set the scene of what, what we see as STEM because people look at STEM in different ways. And actually, you know, there's papers on this, you know, UNESCO have an interesting paper actually on about STEM competencies and they call out different approaches to STEM. Like disciplinary would be, you say it's STEM, but disciplinary means you're actually just doing one of those. But for example, we use a transdisciplinary approach, which means that we look at like uh, project-based work and um, challenges that we put in front of the students. And through those challenges, they actually need to utilize knowledge and develop skills from each of those disciplines. So sometimes it's actually not even based on only those disciplines. I, one of the challenges we used to do in the early days as a hands-on session was we would do a whole lesson around earthquakes and how, what are earthquakes? You know, so it's geography, basically. Geography lesson about what are they, where do they occur in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And talk about, well, in those places around the world, there's still really tall buildings. Sometimes there are skyscrapers. And then we'd actually get the kids doing a maker challenge. Like, so there's no technology involved at this point. It's literally just getting them to learn about these concepts, getting them working on um, together in teams, problem solving, failing as they're building these towers that they can't get to stand up with the equipment we've provided with them. Telling them that when we shake the table, they've built their tower on that it can't fall over because that's the earthquake and the building should be soundly engineered. And they're utilizing knowledge and, and, and stuff from science there. They're going to have to engineer things and we, we get them to do measurements with maths and so on. And then we actually bring in the technology after that. And we say, OK, now let's look about how could we code a solution, use a bit of computer science to support this. And that's where we bring the micro bit in then to work with these towers they've built. And, and you're kind of wrapping around this whole STEM lesson, or I would say it's STEAM, actually, because there's such a design aspect to this. But it's actually on a geography concept. And so that's what we mean by, you know, hands on immersive learning. The last thing we wanted was students coming in and being sat down and be lectured to about what is STEM and digital technology and how great it is. And we're not trying to build a STEM army, but what we're trying to do is from the from from when we opened, just give access to schools, to these types of experiences. In some cases, schools are already doing this type of stuff and then we might do something more advanced. In some cases, they weren't sure what to do. And so they came to us to maybe get a bit of guidance and also to give the students the opportunity. And so we met schools where they're at and we continue to try and do that. But what's interesting for me is when I look at the change, I suppose, back in 2018 to now, we always survey the school before they arrive into us. And so the school have to, the teacher lets us know in the, the questionnaire they do before they come, you know, where are they at in terms of using technology, where are they at in terms of things like computer science or access to different STEM activities, even like maker challenges. Look at that to then shape what they do with us in DreamSpace. So we'll customize the sessions for them. And we have a team of teachers now that do that. But early doors, like those, those answers were coming in as, you know, little technology use and very often no coding. And now we're seeing, like now this year, say with groups coming, we're seeing, you know, they're frequently maybe more exposed to technology and with coding, we're definitely seeing so a lot more who have are doing something. And that something can range from they're doing an hour of code, which is fine up until they're doing modules and coding. But the point is we're seeing, a, we've definitely seen a dial switch in the last few years. And that's really interesting. I'd nearly go as far as to say it's a paradigm shift in in what's happening in classrooms, particularly around that that whole coding space. I suppose to to I want to move on from that because you know you spoke about setting the goals of a hundred thousand students. I mean, uh, my understanding from being at that launch is that you actually exceeded that and something around one hundred thirty thousand. But just quick before we start talking about some of the stuff that you're planning, we mentioned the C word. The dreaded COVID March 2020 mm. came along 
And just looking at what you were doing in DreamSpace, brilliant as, as it was, it was exclusively face to face. It was, you know, come for a workshop and, and we, we'll show you this. And obviously, yeah. you, you, were, you were left with a big challenge and you and your team, you're there going, well, how do we kind of reposition ourselves or how do we transition to this new, I suppose, new normal is the, is the phrase you often hear bandied about. Yeah, like at the time, actually, in that kind of so academic year 2019, 2020, because I, I, like you, I'm sure I still think in academic years, we were we had scaled a team. So we'd hired extra teachers because we, we had seen in the research we were conducting that there was lots of positives, but there was a few gaps. We weren't reaching some rural areas. Teachers had highlighted in the research we'd done that they were a little bit more confident, but they needed a little bit more support. So we said, right, if we have a bigger team, we can do more. And so we actually started to scale in that year. We were we were doing pop-ups, regional pop-ups. We'd been up in Donegal. We'd been um, to Limerick. We were we were jetting around. We were in Offaly. And we were also running a lot more teacher trainings in the evenings and things. And we were running them in the regional locations as we moved as well. And we were flying it. And then, yeah, and then COVID hit. And I suppose really for our team at that time, as you said, we were like, oh, because like everything we did was face-to-face. So then it was like, okay, right, what can we do? So we developed DreamSpace Home Space at that time, which was those on-demand webinars where we had a series that basically on every Monday, each week on Monday was a micro bit lesson. And we basically built our way up and it was a different lesson each week. Tuesday was arcade. I'm probably mixing up the days, but you get the idea. We had series and we yeah. had literally from a Monday to a Friday, we had something on for people, young people at home. And that actually really informed our thinking because what we were noticing was like people were attending the online live events uh, in terms of home space, but actually more people were watching it on demand. That really gave us an insight to the access that people were kind of like that idea that you could use it in your own time. You could do the lesson in your own time. That kind of made us think really differently then. So when the next academic year came around, we thought, well, there's something in this. And that's basically where DreamSpace TV was born out of our on-demand STEM series that schools can literally just put on in their classrooms and hit play. Like that's where that was born out of that idea that, okay, this if this can be utilized in the classroom, we might lift some pressure again off teachers who are already trying to juggle so many things. And so DreamSpace TV was developed to kind of, again, support tons of curricular areas. It's all curriculum aligned and teachers can see that when they look at the resource. There's worksheets made for the school in the episodes we tell the teacher went to hit pause, et cetera. And this was all to support the teachers back when they were back in those classrooms at the time as well. And just to maybe, again, give the access to some sort of STEM experience, because we still weren't actually at the time even meeting students face to face again at that point at the beginning of that academic year either. So, yeah, it yeah. definitely it's definitely shaped the programming, you know, in terms of what we've done. And it continues to be something we've maintained because we did research. Research is really key to what we've been doing. Like we've we engaged yeah. early doors with, with Maynooth University to try and just gauge like like not to give ourselves a pat on the back, but like to actually understand, right, what's working so we can keep it and like what's not working so we can change. And, you know, DreamSpace TV was something that was was working really well. Like the feedback we got from DreamSpace TV, the first batch of research, it showed that there was it would it, like there was a model within it that would predict student STEM choices and that there was an increased interest in in STEM. That, that was the good stuff. But then from a bad stuff point of view, teachers were talking about the, the access needed, the, the tech needed, et cetera. And so again, this is this is stuff that then helps us think differently about what we do moving forwards. How do we shape our programming? And like, that's really important. But yeah, absolutely. COVID, COVID made us think differently and it shifted yeah. our thinking from we don't actually only need to be face to face. And actually, we need to have more to our programming if we re, if we want to help more schools. 
um, yeah. ultimately. And so that's why we changed up the programs. Yeah, no, I think, and, and once again, I, I suppose from my own experience and some of the, the work we're doing, you know, it's about mixing it up. And I think, you know, sometimes when we, you know, even the mention, the dreaded C word, COVID, you know, people go, oh, that's behind me now and I'm moving on, I'm leaving all that behind. I think a key part of this is for us to, to look at it and go, well, hold on a second, you know, just let's take the good stuff. There was, yeah. as you said yourself, there was, you know, there was plenty of things, be it access to technology, broadband, all these things. Let's forget Absolutely. about that, but take the good stuff and let's build on it. And let's, that's something that we're seeing. But, you know, I suppose on that, DreamSpace has has a long association with, with TeachNet. And, and as I said, it's great yeah. to have you, have you on this podcast. But, you know, from the get-go, and you've mentioned it there, teacher CPD has been crucial. And we've yeah. worked with you. We've had those blended courses. The CPD for teachers didn't stop in 20 and 21. So once again, there was another transition. Yeah, um, big time. You had to make. You might just give me a little bit on, on that, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I think um, one of the revelations in some ways, and I think, like, you'd see teachers mention this, the education support centres who do great work in terms of teacher training. It was amazing to see, wasn't it, during the pandemic? Like they were running, you know, it might be a training that was running from, you know, Limerick Education Centre, but people in Donegal were tuning in because it was it was online. And like, so it was really changing the way teachers could access training that was all over the country, you know, and not just in one location. And so for us, again, we were we were looking at teacher CPD in a couple of ways. Well, we developed DreamSpace teacher package as well. That was one way we approached it. And that was more to support across the academic year in terms of a, a DreamSpace community check-in approach. But then in terms of teacher training and working even like with yourselves, we realized, OK, an online approach can work really well here. And like that summer, actually, Pat, when we, we were able to switch it to that, it was the face-to-face teacher, t- teacher model, but it was a virtual face-to-face, as we were saying. So where we use teams to bring the teachers in, we still ran it as face to face. We still ran it as hands on. And it was brilliant because we had people joining us from from all over the country, which was just like such a game changer. Um, yeah. And I think having that flexibility of access, it's like the DreamSize TV episodes, like I'm saying, even for the students or the young people, we were seeing more watch it when it suited them. Having that flexibility of access to teacher CPD is is really important because teachers like they're again sometimes their parent teacher means sometimes there's people have family lives people have things to do people have sports course, to play yeah. you know things that that things they need to do to take care of their own well-being so having that flexibility of access to not have to maybe drive somewhere it's the blend is what's really important like we're all loving the being back to face to face piece like I absolutely it was so great having those face to face teacher training run in the summer you know, in, in DreamSpace and up in Monaghan Education Centre. But to have the option is really important, I think, because then you're you're allowing a lot more people have access. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I do think, and I suppose it's going back to that point uh, we agreed on there, you know, it's about taking the good things. I mean, unfortunately, I would say from the perspective of when things did go back face to face, there didn't seem to be any wriggle room within the guidelines to also keep the, you know, the remote live, if you know, if you yeah. know what I mean. And maybe that's something hopefully the department will look at and, and say, look, we should, because particularly with... I, I mean, courses around things like Minecraft and, and you know, uh, STEM and coding and that, yeah. you know, you need to look at it, I suppose, from a whole Ireland perspective. But yeah, yeah, I'd really hope so, because I do think I, I was disappointed this year we couldn't do it because 
we, we even had teachers contact us about, oh, can we do this remotely again this year? Because we had different ones on. We, we've we run them the last few years. So we were obviously, like I said earlier, schools have moved on as well. So we're trying to change content to make sure we're supporting schools where they're at and teachers where they're at. So yeah, it's, it's a pity. And yeah, as you said, hopefully it's reconsidered because I do think if we really want to include absolutely everyone to have that flexible option is important, you know. It's funny, you know, I think... I suppose things happen so quickly that maybe the the idea was let's go back to exactly the way it used to be. So hopefully there is some wriggle room there around, particularly training that's kind of quite niche or or specific like that. But, you know, it's funny, I want to move on. I'm conscious of the time here and I know we have things uh, we need to go to. But before I talk to you about what's coming down the track and I've listened to this, I was out in dream space recently and I'm enthused myself by some of the stuff. But before I do, I'm going back to that whole, the All-Ireland approach or the thing. I want to talk to you about something that I I thought was really interesting. Was that initiative you ran last year, the All-Ireland initiative, Ireland's future Mm. is mine. This this was obviously a new departure for yourselves. You might give me a whistle stop tour of it. But maybe, you know, are you planning something similar going forward? Yeah, um, so I suppose like... Ireland's Future is Mine was born out of that we were working quite closely with RT Junior on our, our content, our DreamSpace TV content and, and so on. And it kind of came out of just a conversation around, you know, the role of games-based learning. Like DCU obviously do a lot of work in this space with their with their teachers. And they also do a lot of work in terms of research on the impact that this can have in terms of student outcomes as well. And yeah, so it was born out of that idea that, okay, like if we look at Minecraft Education Edition, and its use in terms of to support students learning, to help them learn the curriculum that you're trying to teach them, but in a different way in this sandbox environment of Minecraft education, you know, what is possible. And so the kind of initial thing we talked about was, right, well, first of all, we need to support the teachers in this again. That's what we're all about is like helping the teachers deploy these things if, if it's new to them, kind of lift a bit of pressure if we can. And so that's where the DreamSpace TV episodes came in and the the teacher guides and again, the worksheets and the curriculum links already done, et cetera, so that it made it life maybe, well, we hoped made life a little bit easier for teachers. And then the idea was then by the students moving through these experiences where they were exploring a variety of curriculum areas, if you look at the episodes, you'll see that, that then they'd have the, the skills and also hopefully the know-how and the kind of confidence to then take on big questions. So like the first part of that challenge was for the students to build sustainable version of their local community in the future and like the submissions that came in were just out of this world good you know we had a team of, of judges for that part and like it was really hard to pick we the plan was to pick the four provincial winners but it was so close in terms of the marking we had three judges watching every video that's how close it was because we were trying to make sure we marked it well and it was fair and um, again you can see all this on the RT Learn website if you want to have a look at the submissions that did did come in as the provincial champs because they're outstanding. And then that led to kind of um, an esports approach where where we had head to head playoffs. You were televised, yeah, yeah. So we had provincial champs, and then the final was the big TV show at the end. But the key takeaway for me with this, because I actually didn't even know, to be honest, how good how good this would be in terms of what the kids could do. The big thing for me was to just see. I don't know. You just feel like the future is in safe hands when you see what they do because, like, in the, in the final in particular, if you watch the final, it's still on RT Player. Ireland's future is mine is up there. Have a look at it. Like you'll see yourselves. What they build is a, a sustainable and accessible fund fair of the future. And before they've even built this, they've gone off. They've done tons of research on what this what this stuff means. They've mapped out exactly what their build is going to look like. And then they get into the episode and they start building it. But the coaches are there and they're telling them where they need to go. And it's just 
I, I can't even explain how good it is in terms of watching it all come together. It's something we're really, really proud of. And like, I think from talking to the schools anyway, I think they they all got a huge amount out of it. And it just, I think it makes us think differently about maybe different learning experiences. As you said, there's times for pen and paper. There's times for listening. There's times for getting up and moving. But then I think sometimes there is times for these types of approaches because um, it just changes things and it gives gives uh, young people just a new new way to express their learning and to kind of take part in learning curriculum area, curricular areas. Yeah, I think that's, it's the old thing about we all learn in different ways, Amanda, you know, and it's giving people the opportunity. It doesn't have to be written down or it doesn't have to be. And I think it's just the, the more we explore these sort of approaches, I think the, the better for all the students. Unfortunately, Amanda, I'm I'm conscious of the time here, so I'm gonna you know, I could talk to you all day to be honest because Yeah, no, we so can much. finish on the we can finish on the plans for the future. And yeah, then, uh, yeah. If, yeah, because you know, I just because I was at that event, you know, where the minister uh, Norma Foley marking her fourth anniversary in operation and that. But I th- I think a key thing, and once again, obviously Microsoft's commitment to the project, I mean, at that you announced three million additional spend over the next four years. I mean, that will ensure significant expansion, I would imagine, of the existing learning experience. And I know, obviously, that uh, you and and the team have been uh, working tirelessly on different plans. Yeah, I suppose the three million euro investment over the next four years is across all of our programming. And that includes the research projects we work on, such as STEM Passport for Inclusion. It includes our investment in Northern Ireland and W5 to roll out DreamSpace up there. And then it includes the breadth of programming we have. So DreamSpace Academy, for example, are the the in-person visits. So whether that's primary or post-primary, they used to come just once. We've changed it this year based on kind of some of the findings and research that we feel like a follow-up is important. So primary is actually the same group comes twice and for post-primary, they come three times. And again, dependent on what the school survey says, we will customize that experience and that journey for them. And then, yeah, like I suppose all the other programming we do, DreamSpace TV is, is here to stay. Well, they, well, first of all, the historical stuff is still there. So teachers can reuse that with classes as they see fit. We still have our DreamSpace teacher books available. We're going to kick back into our DreamSpace teacher training approach as well. We run DreamSpace live events every kind of fortnight, roughly. That will be in our upcoming events area of our website. And that's you just register and literally let us beam into your classroom and take it from there if you want. You can just stand to the side and... and um and let us teach and you probably no doubt we'll have to do a bit of running around in your classroom just in terms of the kids we can we can teach you directly from our little studio we have for our DreamSpace live events and then we have other projects we're working on we work on projects with the department of broadband and uh, sorry department of rural and community development which is looking at areas which are lacking broadband so we're looking at rolling out a lot of digital skills trainings in those areas to support those regions that i suppose that have been slightly left behind well not slightly they have been left behind in terms of the, the lack of broadband access And then also we are the kind of big one, I suppose, for us in terms of scaling, because I suppose with that announcement also came the announcement that we want to try and reach every student in the next four years, which is a big, big, bold ambition. Some might say impossible, but as I said at the start, I thought the 100,000 was impossible. So we'll see. And that's the DreamSpace Digital Academy. We've developed learning pathways for students to undertake basically within a kind of virtual learning environment style, whereby they log in. And they move at their own pace through modules of learning where they watch little short snappy videos of us demoing things. They try the activities, they come back and they continue and they build up their knowledge of these different areas. And we've kind of tried to make sure we span the, the kind of range of context with that. And we hope to we hope to continue to add to the to that. And that's the Digital Academy. We hope to have tons of learning pathways up there 
that schools, students, young people, and even if they're not in school, to be honest, by the way, young people at home in youth groups, wherever they're at, that they can access. And that's what it's all about for us. Just access these opportunities and decide for themselves yeah. if it's for them or if it's not. And if it's not, that's good, too, because they know that's not for them and they don't like it. The big thing for us is that they've had a chance to try it. And so, yeah, we're really proud. I think just I know we're, we're tight in time, but just to finish on that, like and Microsoft didn't ask me to say this, but personally, I, I'm super proud to work for Microsoft when they're putting that investment into education and into us and yeah. the DreamSpace team, into our teaching team, literally to go out and say, meet schools where they're at, support the schools, encourage them and see what you can do. And like, I, I just think it's it's something that makes me very proud. And I think, you know, in terms of, you know, industry supporting education, you know, I know some people have issues maybe with that. But for me, I think we're showing up. I think we're standing up to help. And uh, yeah, I'm super proud of that. And one thing I would say to you as well, Amanda, from my experience of going out there and what I've seen, I see you and, and the team, be it on CPD or be it on, on sessions that were out there, and I genuinely come away enthused. It's the absolute enthusiasm you have for what you're doing. It is almost infectious, I would go as far as to say. <laughs> genuinely, that, that has been my experience. And I think now you're broadening, I suppose, the menu, so to speak, the choices. And, you know, if you are in North Curry or South Cycle, whatever it is, there are options there now and you can be part of it, which, you know, some of that was because of the whole COVID experience. And, and that's great. It's taking the good stuff. It's giving people opportunities to get involved with stuff, even though they mightn't be able physically get to Leopardstown. Yeah, and 100%. So yeah. And so now, like I'd encourage people just to head to our website to dreamspace.ie to see the kind of range of stuff that's there for you at whatever level you're at to get our newsletter because every month yeah. we put out a newsletter to let you know what's going on and if there's anything at all just to drop me a note you can see me on Twitter LinkedIn any way you can get in touch if you want a bit of guidance because as I said the takeaway message really is that we are here to help yeah no that's brilliant man that's funny you know on that you've actually answered my last question I'm just looking oh, at it sorry. there where can teachers find out more yeah. you've just told me what it is <laughs> and I think the newsletter is one of the key things and it's a very simple thing you just enter an email address isn't it and signing yeah. up for that the other thing just before we go I know that the face-to-face -face sessions tend to book up yeah, rapidly correct. yeah they're booked up we, we booked up within a week uh, in August for the full school year and that tends to be the case and Generally, every summer we'll we let people know in the newsletter what date we actually have to be that specific. Um, yeah. The bookings are opening and they do book up really fast. It's great, you know. I mean, it gives us it enthuses us because we think, right, well, we must be doing something, okay? Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So no, that's important too. And like final thing, sorry, everything the trip to us and stuff that's that's all free. So I think that also helps schools too. Well, like they have well, to pay their buses, does, but. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, obviously now you they have the chance of beaming you as well. I know you were doing that already, but beaming you into their own classroom. So to, the message I'm getting out of this is that, you know, it's open now to everyone right across the Absolutely. country, which, which I think is brilliant. Amanda, it has been a pleasure. Thanks, Amelia, for joining us and listen. Hopefully I'll talk to you soon again. Thanks for having me, Pat.